Welcome to Everything You Know About Disability is Wrong, a podcast by disabled people for disabled people. But if you're not disabled, stick around. You might learn something new. Oh my goodness. You are such an inspiration. Wow, you really are. You're so strong. Can I pet your service dog? One, two, three, let's go. We are artists, parents, teachers, good guys, bad guys, students, leaders. I'm not your inspiration. Yeah, I'm fully who I am. Got my own expectations that don't fit into your plans. I'm not your sad story, so I wrote it in this song. Everything you know about disability is wrong. Yeah, everything you know. Yeah, everything you know about disability is wrong. Hey, listeners. Today's guest is the very talented actor, comedian, and founder of the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, Nick Novicki. Hi, Nick. Thank you for being on. We're so excited to have you here talking about love and relationships and marriage and children and all that. So thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks so much for having me. So as you know, this season on the pod, we're talking about love and dating and relationships. You're married. But before we get into marriage content, we got, we got to rewind a little bit. So can you tell us what your dating experience was like before you met your wife? Yeah. So for those of you who can't see, I'm also a little person. So I'm three foot 10 growing up. I uh, didn't date a ton. I did date a lot of other little people. My wife is also a little person. You know, I would go to little people conventions and, you know, we kind of hook up and, you know, have uh, relationships that would kind of you meet people and, and kind of relationships formed. But I've been with my wife now for since 2009. So it's, it's almost kind of hard thinking pre my wife because <laughs> it's, it's been a long time now. That's awesome. So you met your wife in 2009. How did how did you meet? It's kind of a funny story. So we met at a little people convention. And my wife works in development, actually, now behind the camera as a TV executive working in preschool. But she was an actor at the time also. And so she went to this little people convention looking to meet other little people actors. And she was literally about to walk out the door and be like, look, this isn't for me. And she happened to meet my best friend. And she was like, yeah, I was here. I was looking for actors. But, you know. This, it just wasn't for me. And, you know, I, I was, I'm going to leave. I didn't find any connections. And he was like, well, this is Nick. He's my best friend. He's an actor. Then we just kind of, it just, I guess, sparks flew, uh, even though we actually just were friends for a bit and kind of did a little bit of long distance. Funny story about that, though, is how we met is in the end of the movie, Marry Me. So if you watch the movie, Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez, we told that story of how we met because they had a little end thing of like when Harry met Sally and the director of that movie is our friend and she's a, a judge for the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge and she knew the story. So <laughs> our our story, how we met now actually has a lot more audience than it had <laughs> a year ago. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. That's so cool. So your story is like a real life Hollywood love story. I love as a good romantic comedy. And I know that the Easter Seals Film Challenge this year is about that. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yes. Well, that's funny that you bring that up. You know, when we're talking about romance, I'm getting very excited because each year we have a different genre. 
So people have to register through disabilityfilmchallenge.com. And then everyone that's registered gets emailed the full assignment, including genre, themes, props, and locations that have to be incorporated in these one to five minute films. Well, this year, this is the 10th anniversary. So we were like, we need a special genre. And the genre this year is romance. So I'm very excited about it. And, you know, it's something that I, I don't think we see enough of stories that show disability through romance, through falling in love, through falling out of love, through the normal mundane things that happen <laughs> for people with disabilities and relationships, uh, get into fights over eating the last of the cookies or, you know, the last bag of popcorn or just other things that don't have to do with disability. So I'm very excited for those of you, if you go to disabilityfilmchallenge.com, it'll link you to our social channels where you'll be able to watch these films. And go back and watch all of the previous nine years. There is so much amazing content there and so much representation. I think you're so right there. And I'm so excited for the romance season because I love romances. And I think that yeah, it's the normalcy that gets left out. And, you know, when we decided to make this podcast, that's kind of what we were talking about is we want to talk about the mundane aspects of life or the real aspects of life, not just like, oh, so you're disabled. How does your disability affect X? Like just talking about real life. And, you know, I think that obviously being disabled affects my relationship, but finishing the last bag of popcorn affects it a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, finishing that last bag of popcorn is a big deal, all right? <laughs> With dating specifically, a lot of people think that because you're disabled, that your relationship is like all about that. And it does affect it, but at the end of the day, our relationships are not different than non-disabled relationships. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that. And I think that stigma leads to people not wanting to date us sometimes. Yeah, I think there's definitely, I mean, there's truth to that. There's, there's the unknown. You know, I think if somebody doesn't have a disability and they date somebody that does have a disability, I think you know, maybe there is the unknown factor where they don't know. And I think part of that is because of the lack of representation of people with disabilities, you know, being seen in romantic scenarios in the media and commercials and TV shows in films. Right. Definitely. And there's kind of that feeling of like the external projection of what relationships for disabled people are, which I'm, I'm interested in because I am autistic, which is an invisible disability, right? So I don't really deal with as much of the external pressure from just being looked at, but I'll see like on social media, people talking about like what it's like to be autistic and date. And if I don't relate to it exactly, I'm kind of like, oh, what does this mean? But I'm interested in what was your experience like in dating your wife that whole time you were together, did you ever feel that kind of external pressure to only get to talk about being a disabled couple rather than the actual like meat of your relationship, the good stuff? I think because I've always been a little person and I've always lived in this world and cities and I've always kind of just looked at it like, yeah, people are going to look or they'll say things or they will stare, but I just kind of live my life and just keep rolling through my lane. And sometimes I don't even think about it. So I think for her, she didn't necessarily grow up in a city 
like that in a setting in, in the East Coast where people are much more abrupt. So certainly we got more attention together than we did by ourselves, where people were like, hey, look at that. There's little people or ah, oh, they say things. And they're just very like, you know, to the two of us together. And this is like in New York. But I was used to that. So I, you know, that was kind of part of, I think, geography wise, depending on where you are in the country, <laughs> people are more vocal about disabilities. And I think it's helped me make me the way I am and probably help like define the way I'm able to come up with jokes. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point on her being from a different place because where you are really affects how dating works. I, before we started recording, I mentioned that I lived in LA for a little bit and dating in LA was so different than dating in Chicago. And I didn't expect that, but it was a totally different experience. And I think that's kind of interesting that each city has its own kind of like vibe of what the dating scene is like. I always say too, that I feel like I never went on a date. <laughs> like I just ended up like in relationships. Like, I don't know. I, I just talked to my wife about this where I felt like I was like, you know, that the process of like, Hey, let's go out to a date and we'll go to a movie. Like, I feel like I never really, I don't know. <laughs> that never really happened. You know, I think you missed a lot of awkward moments. So you didn't miss much. <laughs> those, those, any moments that I have of like, Going out on a date, a lot of them are my most awkward stories. What were you going to say, Erin? I was going to say, like, you're lucky because dating is just the worst. That was my least favorite part was, like, that first date. It was just, I hated it. I kind of wish that all my relationships immediately just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's something fun about that. You're just like, and now you're together, you know? Yeah, those are the the best, I think, dating stories when it's like, we went on one date and we've been inseparable for 20 years since. <laughs> like, that's like, it just kind of continued. But I agree that I think you're lucky in that never having to do the dating apps, especially. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how old I am. I'm 40. So, like, I I sort of, I was already with like my wife when the majority of the dating apps were out there. You know, technically never I've never done that either because <laughs> I've set up many, but I've always canceled. <laughs> yeah. When I was in LA, there was a one date that I had like somebody was trying to set up with me and for a first date, they wanted to drive 2 hours out of the city. And I was like, "You want me to get in your car and drive 2 hours?" The first time we meet in person, (laughs) like, you clearly don't have any anxiety because I do. And that's not going to work. Yeah. Then you get traffic. You're like, all right, so uh, this is not working out, but uh, we got two more hours. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't end up going on that date. That's a good idea. Yeah. That is just very, that's a little creepy to me. I didn't even suggest that. Yeah, it definitely shows like a lack of understanding, especially like asking a woman to get in your car and drive two hours. But, you know, I'll say maybe they had the best intention. Or maybe they just like really love tacos like two hours away. (laughs) There's like a great (laughs) burger place. They're like, you got to come to this place. Maybe I'm the one that missed out. (laughs) That's kind of the the beauty of life. You pick your own adventure and you end up in a cool path, you know, in in terms of, I feel like, work life and also relationships. Definitely. And I mean, even meeting people through work, getting to just following that path, like, I'm so glad we're having you on this podcast, because we did 
the Easter Seals film challenge watch party recently. So that's when I got to meet you. And it's like, oh, now we're doing a podcast, just continuing this. And, you know, thing, things all work out. <laughs> they do. And, and that was an awesome thing. So all of our films, again, if you go to disabilityfilmchallenge.com, it'll link you to the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge YouTube page where we have all of our winning films. Also, we have workshops and events and all that kind of stuff. And we did such a cool holiday theme watch party for Easter sales associates around the country. I think we had some holiday swag and we just kind of, it was a good time. And just, you know, we're able to kind of spotlight these talented filmmakers and, and just have fun. Yes, absolutely. Well, while we're on the topic of Easter seals, I think this is a great time to go to break. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Easter Seals. You know, we work for Easter Seals, but maybe our listeners don't know what that is. Easter Seals is leading the way to full access, equity, and inclusion for disabled people and their families. And we've been doing this for more than a century. This includes helping disabled people find meaningful employment and addressing healthcare needs for all ages. We're proud to serve communities across the country and ready for the next hundred years. For more, check us out at EasterSeals.com. And we're back. So, Nick, you have been married for how many years? I have been married for eight years. What is your best advice for making marriage work? You know, in my wedding vows, I, I think I said he is always right. Always. Uh, <laughs> so it was like a compromise, you know, with, with different things. I think typically we're, we're always wrong, too. You know, everything, you're not going to hit home runs all the time. So it's just that process to, like, kind of analyze it. And also sometimes be like, you know what? I was wrong about that. By the way, I should have, you know, I should have told you I'm going out of town. And for me, I'm on the road a lot as a comedian and an actor. And through the film challenge, we do workshops all over the country. So my wife is just incredibly supportive with, you know, our French bulldog, our baby. I said the Frenchie's the first baby. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's balance. And I think uh, is it, owning it, you know, when you're wrong, but also, to, to show that appreciation and love and respect. Yeah, there's some deep humility in it. I'm living with my boyfriend for the first time. We're about to hit a year of living together. And it is that kind of like, oh, understanding of, wow, when we're in each other's space all the time, we are not going to be perfect all the time. <laughs> there's going to be mistakes. And there is a level of I feel like every time we I call it like leveling up where when we'll have like a maybe it's a hard conversation or we'll learn something new about each other, especially my my boyfriend's not autistic. So getting to know my brain and, you know, living with someone, you get to know them on a much deeper level. And there is definitely those levels of like, OK, we're we're leveling up here. We learned something new, but we did that through admitting that we were maybe wrong. I appreciate that advice a lot. And I think that while still being kind of new in this living together, I'll remember that. And I'll hope he listens and remembers the and that your wife is always right. <laughs> <laughs> I know in my relationship, we we've never had a fight, which is weird. And we actually like, cause we, we, we're very chill, both of us. So if we disagree, we'll just talk about it. 
And then as you end, we'll jokingly say, did we just have a fight? And it was like <laughs> the chillest conversation. But it really takes, like, it took me a long time to find somebody that, like, was matched my level of, like, chillness. I mean, that makes total sense to me because you're the you're so chill. Like you're one of the chillest people I know, Aaron. Aaron and I obviously work together all the time and I'll I'll like start to freak out about projects getting done or doing stuff. And Aaron's just my my absolute calming force. So that that makes complete sense. And I am so glad you found someone as chill as you. Yeah, I mean it's just like it takes more energy to fight. And we just don't have the energy. We're both like forty years old. We're just done with like the drama and so that is really a great way to be in a relationship i think i mean that that sounds perfect to be in that kind of relationship too where you both have the same kind of mindset and you're just you know chill so nick with you being on the road and obviously your wife being supportive is there anything that you kind of do to try to maintain keep that love alive while you're gone well, I got to say, you know, her parents have been amazing. They've come out a lot to help out with the baby. Also, my parents do. So we have been getting that extra support. And our daughter's in daycare. It's like we have a little army of people helping us raise this, you know, year and a half year old. Or so will be two, actually, uh, next month. So beyond that, I try to, to be as engaged as I can while I'm here. And sometimes that's hard because... I'm doing a show late at night or I have something else going on or I'm writing a speech or I'm, you know, filming something or I'm writing, you know, things for a speech and, and, you know, you gotta wake up. That baby's waking up in the morning either way. So you gotta (laughs) tag in. What's your favorite part about being a dad? I've always loved kids. It's just such an amazing thing to just be together. And now that she's saying dad, dad, you know, it's like, uh, it's just like, it's just really gets me. She'll say, Dada, you know, when I, when, when I come in or when she comes in and it's, you know, I mean, that there's nothing that feels better, honestly, in my life ever. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, this, this is, you have such a sweet love story. I mean, obviously it made it into a movie. <laughs> it's <laughs> such a sweet love story. And then all the way, it's, it's cool to get to see, you know, where you are now having like, having a child that's a big goal that's awesome how has your relationship changed since having a kid i think my wife has been incredibly supportive our whole relationship of me in terms of you know being an actor you're acting in tv or you're doing other stuff touring you could be gone for long periods of time so you know right after we got married i went to europe in the middle east and did a one-month tour for the troops you know all over all over the world really two days after we were married. So she was like so supportive and she was like, go do it and you want to do it and I'm with you. Now it's much harder to just get away for long, long periods of time. I have to be more selective of when I go, where I go. And honestly, if it's, you know, everything, you know, having kids too also costs a lot of money. And so you need to like prioritize and when we're going to do different things. So I would say a big thing that in a good way, has been prioritizing schedules more for me specifically because I travel so much that, you know, there's times where I've had to say, Hey, I can't do this gig or I I just, maybe we could do this remote or, 
you know, I'd like to do it another time. And that's hard because I like to say yes to everything by nature. Yeah. Leaving two days after marriage, that is that is a supportive wife right there. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that that's, you know, one of the foundations that your relationship is built on is that feeling of extreme support and that encouragement to go be you. And, you know, now that you allowed yourself to do that for so many years, I would hope that it would be a little easier to have to prioritize being home more at this point. No, it certainly is. But now it's it's completely changed because we're responsible for someone else's life. So that's a whole other thing where we're like, you know, we really just kind of got to check in with each other. Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably the key to a lot of success in relationships is checking in with one another. So we we kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about a little bit, but speaking of the entertainment industry and representation in the industry, do you feel the tide moving? Do you think that we are going to have a more representative Hollywood in the next few years? I mean, I think we already are, you know, I'm, I've been an, an actor and a comedian for over 20 years. So me, you know, I've seen so many different landscapes in, in terms of shifts from the early 2000s where, you know, I was only auditioning for roles very specific to my height. I started to produce my own content. And that's what motivated me to create the Disability Film Challenge. And then I wanted to help other people with disabilities create their films. And that's grown. And, you know, certainly partnering with Easter Sale Southern California, where I'm on the board of directors, you know, really took it to the next level. But now to date, we've had 500 films that have been created for the film challenge over the years. So all those stories, and it's leading to jobs. And, you know, we're sponsored by the networks and the studios. And I got to say that they are actively coming to us and literally saying, we saw this film challenge film. And how amazing is this actor? How amazing is, you know, the writing on this? And it's somebody with a disability and they're getting that opportunity. So I think it's twofold. It's been us as people with disabilities taking our career in our own hands and sort of moving towards the the, the table. But I think the entertainment industry is is seeing the value of the disability community and just the you know the sheer numbers. I mean, one in four Americans identifies having a disability. So I think that the direction has shifted so much from when I started to where we're at now. And I think we're just getting going. I'm very optimistic about the way it's going to continue to go. But also, I feel very proud of the changes that have been made since when I started. And I can't take all the credit. I mean, there's so many advocates that have been doing this work for so long and so many talented people with disabilities that work so hard in their careers. And they're really the ones that are making such great strides. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that one of my favorite parts about the Disability Film Challenge is that aspect of it's not just having a disabled character. There are also disabled writers. You're getting people in front and behind the camera. And I think that's so important because sometimes in any attempt to have better representation of any marginalized group, you kind of tend to see, okay, they'll put the one character on screen, but there's more to it. It's having people who are on all aspects of creating. So I think that's really cool. And I think that there's just such incredible writers, producers, directors coming out of the disability film challenge. Editors too. You yeah. Know, I mean, I think there's, there's so many other positions besides just being an actor. Right. And even, you know, if we have 
visual disabilities behind the camera, in front of the camera, it ensures that we're telling our own stories and not somebody else's idea of our stories. Yeah. No, I think that's, that, that's truly the way that you get most authentic is not just that representation in front of the camera, but someone behind the camera. And I always say this too, as a little person, I know little funny things like I can add to a scene. You know, if you're writing about me and my life, well, I've been a little person my whole life. So I know these like what's what happens, you know, in my stand up, like when I get trapped in an elevator because I can't reach a button, you know, like it's funny and it's funnier when it's coming from my point of view, I think, because I know how to make it real. And I think audiences want to see real now. They don't want to see sort of watered down interpretations of something. I think they want to see, uh, and not just for people with disabilities, for all you know underrepresented groups, I think the more authentic you can get in terms of having you know writers, directors, editors with within that you know underrepresented group, the, the more authentic it is, and the more it translates because audiences now there's so much content, so you want to see something that feels fresh and like something you've never seen, and I think the more representation and authenticity helps that, and it even helps. The authenticity, like because films impact, you know, culture and everyday people's opinions and thoughts. And having that authenticity is what's going to help us make change outside of film. Absolutely, absolutely. It also puts you know something in your head where you're like, when you see a wheelchair user as a lawyer. Then when other people are going through a law firm, boom, they're already in their head subconsciously. You're just now thinking about, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that show. And usually it won't even be about the wheelchair. It's something else about the character. They're like, you know, Joanne, the way she's like, you know, funny around the coffee thing. I like that character. You know, it, but subconsciously, the disability goes away because of that exposure. I'm proud to be a little person and to be in the disability community. But I just don't want that to be like the only thing that people talk about. Yeah. I mean, that's where the like authenticity is really necessary there, because I think that is how you culturally shift people to understand that there is a beautiful middle ground between like, oh, I don't even see disability and actually not seeing disability. There is a middle ground where you can be seen, but seen as a full human as well. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that authentic content is helping that. I mean, I even think about like disabled content creators in spaces like TikTok and Instagram and other social media where you are seeing public perception change. And, you know, even like this, we're talking about dating and marriage advice. That's changes perception because there's definitely some people out there who think like, oh, disabled people get married. I didn't know that. Like, and we want to change that because that's, yeah, we're humans. We get married. <laughs> we do things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes marriages don't work, too. You know, so I think that's the human thing, too, where it's like not everything's a fairy tale, too. So where it's like every ending, you know, I think that that's something that I've, I've said with the film challenge, too, with the romance films. I said that when we announced at Sundance, like these films, whatever your interpretation is, did you fall in love? Did you fall out of love? Did you, and, and a lot of these times, it has nothing to do with the disability. It's just life, you know, or different things or you know, because 
you could be two little people and be completely opposite or not right for each other or two wheelchair users or, you know. So I, I, I think it's interesting. And the more layers of it is where we get the true inclusion, I think, you know, when, when you can show not just the one side, you know. But with that being said, I do know so many people with disabilities and happy marriages, relationships, you know. So I think that, that it's been a blessing to be a part of that and witness it. Yeah, uh, that's such a good point that the true representation is not just the happy endings. It's everything. And that there's so many different forms of romance and love. I'm so excited for this film challenge. Ah. We actually we actually recorded an episode with Jennifer Masumba and ended Ooh. up ta- spending some time talking about the deep love in disabled friendships as well. Like there's there's love everywhere. It's not just in the way you think of like a normal relationship. <laughs> I love that. And I'll tell you what, Jennifer Masumba, big shout out. She's so talented. Please go to our website or YouTube channel and type in The Fish Don't Care When It Rains. It won the 2020 Film Challenge. And it's uh, a documentary short about her and her acceptance and coming to terms with autism. And it's so funny and beautiful. And she's such a great, talented person. And I love that too, because I, I do think that it's like, romance is like dude it's like friendships and all that stuff like i tour with these comedians it's like we're a family you know we're we're with each other all the time it's like summer camp you know and like we love each other you know i love that i'm so glad you have that i'm glad that your life seems filled with love that's beautiful (laughs) you got me on a good day sometimes i'm like and i got a parking ticket and you gotta (laughs) you know my dog went to the bathroom over there. <laughs> See, this is true disability representation on the podcast. Good days and bad days. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And to all of our listeners, check out the Disability Film Challenge. It is one of the coolest projects I've ever seen. And I think that this 10th year is going to be absolutely incredible. Any closing thoughts on love, relationships, or this wonderful conversation we just got to have? I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I want to give a shout out, and I love you to my wife. I brought up some stuff that I got to now. I got to play a little bit of defense. Be like, hey, by the way, I told a little story about us over here. <laughs> uh, no, she she's amazing, and I feel very lucky. Um, if you want to know more about me, if I'm coming to your city to do stand up or, uh, for a screening of the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, you could follow me at Nick Novicki, uh, no K and Nick, and that links to the film challenge page. And I really hope you watch these films. There's so much talent that is part of the film challenge, but just talent within the disability community. So thank you so much. I feel the love. I got to text my wife and be like, I love you. She's gonna be like, what, what's going on here? I'm like, uh, you know, because we're just talking so many, you know, stories here. I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, text my boyfriend. I love you so much. All of our partners are going to get the most mushy texts right after this. <laughs> I'm a sender. I love you. By the way, I ate the last of the popcorn, too. So, you know, that's the. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that whole episode. I got to tell him about. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. That was awesome. And thank you for, for having me on. Welcome to the Ask Us Anything, where you can ask us anything. And you can ask us anything by emailing us at everythingyouknow at easterseals.com. 
Aaron, today's Ask Us Anything says, my partner is not disabled and said something ableist recently. Ooh, I'm sorry. Normally, they are very supportive and this doesn't seem intentional. How do I talk to them? Yeah, very sorry your partner said something ableist. Yeah, it happens. It does. How do you handle it? What I do is I, you know, sit down with them and talk to them and make sure I'm not accusing them of anything because I know that they didn't mean it maliciously and just explain it from my point of view and really talk about how it makes me feel rather than, you know, you did this. How dare you? That's good advice. I agree. And I think that you're already in the right line of thinking, you know, saying that it doesn't seem intentional. But I do want to honor that, you know, just because something isn't intentional doesn't mean that you don't need to take time to care for yourself. Right. Being disabled means facing a lot of ableism. And I think that when it's someone you love that says something ableist, it can feel like that's the time that you really want to like sweep it under the rug. But that's when you really should dig in because your safe people should continue to be safe. I definitely think that what Aaron said is exactly right. Like going from this is how you made me feel. And this is why this is an important thing to me rather than you messed up and here's why. I know for me personally, I would have to like spend some time alone before having that conversation. I think if I tried to react immediately I would probably end up being harsher or not having as productive of a conversation because I'm in my feels. So I say my biggest advice is to honor the feelings that you're feeling. And if whatever was said made you feel really sad or really mad, let yourself just be really sad or really mad for a little bit and then address it. Because I do think that oftentimes we are asked to let ableism go. And that can be really strenuous. (laughs) And so take care of yourself, honor your feelings, and then work it out because it seems like your partner's coming from a good place and you're just trying to make your relationship even better. It might not come from a good place, but that's something you'll have to evaluate and really like say, is this relationship working for not just both of us, but for me? specifically, and know that your feelings are totally valid, and just ensuring that your partner understands how you feel. And if they don't care how you feel, then that's an issue. Yeah, if they don't care how you feel, then dump them. Dump them. (laughs) Dump them. So that's our, our advice. Feel your feelings. Be kind. Lead with intention. And if none of that works, dump them. Dump them. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to write a review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next time when we discuss more reasons why everything you know about disability is wrong.